This episode of The Taylor Stevens Show is brought to you by listeners, readers, and patrons. If you'd like to learn how to support this podcast, please visit www.patreon.com slash taylorstevens. Taylor Stevens, the New York Times best-selling and award-winning author of kick-ass international thrillers, and this is The Taylor Stevens Show with my good friend Steve Campbell, where we are kicking writing in the butt, one word at a time. You almost missed that last bit. What bit? One the, word at a time? Uh-huh. No, I most certainly did not. I was just slow. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, speaking of slow, a couple of weeks ago, we were talking about uh, the geese situation and the eggs, and you had collected a bunch of eggs, and you were somewhat disappointed with what had happened so far. Um, can you give us an update on where things are, or is it a new batch? I have no idea. <laughs> well, I've been, I'm continuing to collect eggs. Um, what I really want are the the buff. American buff geese. I want. I've had. I've lost a couple. Like last laying season, I managed to get two geese from them. Um, that I got ten eggs. That was it. For some reason, that's all, that's all I got. And so of those two, I ended up getting two babies, and they grew up and they're here. But in the meantime, I also lost two geese. I don't know. One of them just disappeared in the middle of the night, and that was that. Um, she probably decided to sit on a nest too far away from the house or something. And then one of them died from, I don't know what, um, I was, I held her as she took her last breath and I just cried and cried and cried. And I don't know, I tried to save her, but I don't know. She might've eaten something poisonous or I, I just don't know. It's impossible to know. So I have the same number I started with, but now now I think I have like mostly boys. (laughs) So I really, really, really (laughs) want more. To try and like even even it out. And this last batch that I hatched, it was very, very, it was like the worst hatch rate I've had. And so what'll happen because geese eggs take about 30 to 35 days, more or less, to go from the day you put them in the incubator to when they hatch. And uh, normally it's it's hard to say because you're always going to have some that are duds that aren't never got fertilized in the first place. And I generally tend to not count those because that's not my fault. It wasn't something I screwed up. And then with the ones that remain, some of them just don't even make it all the way to lockdown, which is when the hatch begins, you just don't open the incubator anymore. Um, and, and those ones, it's usually, there's a failure to thrive going on, you know, like maybe the embryo wasn't healthy or there was bacteria in it or whatnot. So those, okay, you set those aside. Those are not good. And then you can tell prior to lockdown, how many of them, like you see them moving around in the air cell. Like you can tell they're trying to pip Mm. out of the shell. You just shine a flashlight on them. It's what they call candling and you can see what's going on inside. And so those are the ones that end up in lockdown. Down. And normally, of the eggs that go into lockdown, at least 80%, 90% of them are going to hatch. That's been my experience. I mean, with chickens, it's even higher than that. But with yeast, which are notoriously, notoriously more difficult, I'm looking at about 80 or 90%. And this last hatch that happened, we were talking about before, I think I didn't even get 50%. And I was like racking my brain going, what did I do wrong? And I think maybe I had the humidity up too high. Because... Um, as eggs uh, 
incubate, they, they lose moisture from the inside of the egg because eggshells are porous. And gradually, as they go through the process, the, the air cell gets bigger and bigger and bigger. But if there's too much humidity in the incubator, the egg can't lose enough moisture. And so there's not enough air cell in them, air in the cell to get them all the way through to the hatch. And so they don't make it. And that really sucks when it's your own fault. And so I was thinking about that. And I was like, maybe I've just had too much humidity. Even though it's the numbers that everybody's saying it's supposed to be, it's still higher than what I have been doing in the past. So let me take that down a notch. And so I, I, I didn't just take it down. I just stopped adding water to the incubator and my humidity levels went from like 65% down to 30%, which is supposedly too low, way too low. But this hatch, I've had like maybe 75% have hatched already. So I'm back up to having good hatch numbers, which is great. But the problem is most of the eggs that were from the nest the 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 buff american buff geese only sit on one nest i don't know how many of them are laying but i know if they do lay they're going to lay in that nest but they're not the only ones who lay in the nest so i don't know how many of the eggs coming from that nest are from the american buffs and how many are from the brown chinese i just know that that's my source of american buff eggs and then along the way all the eggs that are failing and don't make it to the lock to lockdown are almost all coming from that nest. And it's impossible for me to know, did I just lose all my American buff eggs or not? I don't know because I don't know what's inside them. So anyway, when this hatch is going on, I just keep seeing brown Chinese goose, brown Chinese goose, brown Chinese goose. And then I see this little tuft of dishwater blonde feathers. And I'm like, oh, <laughs> oh. And... I got one American buck goose that hatched all by itself. And I'm so excited. I got one out of this entire hatch of like 12, 13. I don't know how many it's going to be by the time they're finished. But to see that one, I was like, I'm so happy you're here. <laughs> so then <laughs> I've got a couple more batches coming down. So two weeks from now, there will be another hatch. And then another two weeks-ish after that. Um, I I think that the American buff geese are still laying. They don't lay a lot of eggs. Chinese geese are prolific egg, egg layers. They'll lay 100 more eggs each a year if given the chance. American buff geese, eh, 20 eggs maybe, maybe 30 if they're in a good mood. And I, it's hard to say, are they still laying? And the only reason why I think they're still laying is they're fighting over the nest and, and being mean to each other. Get off, get off, it's my turn. So for that reason, I think I still have hope. And as long as they're still fighting over that nest, I'm going to keep collecting those eggs and hope that I might get one more. But anyway, yeah, that's my 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 goose goose hatching update. That is the update for this week. Tune in again next week for more farm stories from Taylor. <laughs> <laughs> but for this week, we we got a, a really interesting question that came in from a listener. So do you want to share that? Yes. So this question is from longtime listener, sometimes contributor Carl, and it's an excellent question, and I don't know the answer to it. I'm stumped. All right. So, so we're going to read I'm the question read and then just sign off. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to read the question and then just babble for a few minutes and hope something articulate comes from it. So Carl writes, hi, Taylor. 
Here's a question that's been on my mind. Maybe you'd have something more to say on the paradox of predictability. On the one hand, as we know, every scene character setting must have its purpose. On the other hand, the very fact that everything has to tie together can easily take me as a reader out of the story. For example, when a supposedly mysterious character shows up, it's hard as a reader not to think about how is this person going to connect up later. Similarly, with foreshadowing, a la Chekhov, a gun on the mantle in the first act, etc., what that means is, as a reader, I know the story wouldn't be mentioning a gun on the mantle unless it's going to go off. So now I'm sitting around waiting for the stupid gun to go off instead of being inside the story. Another example is character attributes. A character is not going to be rich, for instance, unless their money is going to play a part in the story one way or another. I've been unable to figure out for myself when, how story elements weave together naturally so that I still stay inside the story instead of thinking about how the story is told. Happily, it does still happen, and of course, those are the best books. I just thought you might have some insights from the author's side of things. You've talked about this some in the past, but I think the topic is not exhausted. So let's see if we can exhaust the topic. I don't know. I, I honestly don't know the answer to this. Because as an author, this is part of what happens when you when you start writing is you start seeing story differently. You can't not see the story behind the story. I, I know, Steve, we had this conversation way, 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 way back. And I warned you, this is going to happen. And then we've had conversations since. And you're like, and it happened. And it's it's happened to others that I've talked to at the beginning of their writing journey. And it's kind of like a, a running joke now. Like once you start writing, it's going to change the way you read. It's possible, I don't know, I hope not, that maybe this show has ruined reading for some of our non-writing listeners <laughs> in that by by understanding so much of what goes on behind the process, even though you yourself may not be writing your own works, you still are starting to see or think about story the way that a writer would. And if that's the case, I sincerely apologize. That was never my intent. And I just never even thought that might be a possibility. Maybe, maybe, maybe not. I don't know. But... So, so because of that, I, I don't I don't know the answer because like, what do I do as a reader, you know, who has such a terrible time pulling into the story because I can't stop being distracted by the elements of the story. And I think for me, it, I've, I just have to face the fact that there are fewer books that I'm going to enjoy and and accept that that's OK. And I find that when it, a book does surprise me. It's that much sweeter. And another thing that I have found is that I I enjoy books more that are outside my genre, that are things that I would never personally write myself. Romance, for example, I get a real kick out of it sometimes now. Not not all the way romance, romance, but like you know, romantic suspense or you know kind of bubblegummy type books because I wouldn't ever write them. So I'm not thinking about how the story would be written. 
which is a little bit of a different situation from somebody who's unfortunately appears to have had books ruined straight across the board. But I would I would suggest maybe um, try reading outside your normal genre if you can find something that appeals to you at all and see just see is it any different when you read in a different genre do you find your mind letting go and letting you drop into the story a little easier if yes then you kind of have a map towards how to maybe take break like take a few steps back from your normal reading fair switch over to something else give your mind a chance to just enjoy the entertainment and see if it makes a difference when you go back again the next time. I don't know if going back would, but if you can find anything that lets your mind just let go and enjoy it, I would say that would be the place to start. Uh, for me personally, seeing the story behind the story doesn't bother me or pull me out so much as when it's really predictable. So if if I'm like, I can see where this is going, and then it takes a completely different turn, I'm so happy. Like, I'm like, this is awesome. I didn't see this. So that you might find specific authors have a tendency to give that to you as well. Um, I have an example, but it's not from a book because it's from a TV series. But I, um, for me, the same thing exists when I watch on screen as it does when I read. I cannot not see the story. And um, so I was watching uh, Wednesday, which is the Adams Family uh, remake that's on Netflix right now, which I really, really, really enjoyed. And I think it was like two episodes in and I was like, yeah, I totally see what's going to happen. This is going to happen and this is going to happen and this, 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 and this. And then another couple of episodes and I was like oh I think I got it wrong and a couple more episodes and I was like I have no freaking clue this is amazing and then the way it took its turns I was like oh I see what you did there that was very very clever good on you you psyched me out you probably psyched everybody out and um and I thought it was awesome and even though I couldn't not help myself from from trying to figure out the underpinnings of the story and I could see where all the elements were going and it makes it really really hard to be surprised often because of the way the specific things that that Carl mentioned in this question of you know you know that if this shows up then it means this and you know if that shows up it means that and it's like the writers of this particular series took all of that into account and went don't worry we're ahead of you on this one and they were brilliant in the way that they went about it. So the 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 point being that I cannot not get pulled out of the story in the same in the same way that Carl is describing here, but it can be its own fun as well. It's just a different type of story experience. Yes, you're getting pulled out of the story, but it becomes almost like an exchange between you and the author of like, let's see if I can keep pace with you. Let's see if, you know, I'm on your wavelength and you sort of just embrace it. Like, yes, this is a problem now in that I do keep getting pulled out of the story, but that's okay because now I'm having a different sort of story engagement experience. For me, it's been going on so long that I don't 
it's hard to remember a time where I didn't get pulled out of the story. So it's perhaps less of a loss for me than it might be for some readers. I don't know how to give that back to you. And I'm really, really sorry. <laughs> I don't know the answer. And, and it's possible that some of our uh, author listeners who have this issue might have some feedback that could could help on this. And if you do, I would really love to hear your solutions of how you manage to separate that analytical side of your experience from just the reading experience and being pulled into the story. What have you found that works for you to make that possible? I would love to be able to share your experiences with the rest of our listeners. But in the meantime, I, I apologize. I don't have something better to offer. But I would say that if you can't find a way to not get pulled out of the story, then embrace that and let that be part of the fun of reading and find a way to, I don't know, make it an interactive experience. <laughs> that's, that's the best I got. Steve, do you have, do you have something? Well, I, as, as you know, I read a lot. And as you know, I listen to this podcast <laughs> more than probably more than anyone else because <laughs> because we're yes. recording it and then and then I edit it. So what works for me is I when I'm reading almost always I'm just focused on the character. And I don't if I see Chekhov's gun, I don't care. I I just like what's the character going to do next? Oh, this this character did this. This was interesting. I tend to almost skip over a lot of a lot of the writing element details the story element details like the the quote unquote clues that yes. might lead yes. you to because okay. i don't i want to be entertained by the story and i want to get to the end and go oh that's who did it that's that's really cool and and then i don't go back and say oh oh yeah i saw this and i saw this and i saw this and and sometimes you can see it way ahead of time and and that's fine i just keep reading for the character so that's that's just me, but I, I do want to co comment on one other thing. You you mentioned reading outside of genre, and as as I think I mentioned last week, we're we're launching a romance imprint, the company that I work for, and there's a lot of talk about paranormal romance. I have never in my life read a paranormal romance, and somehow Amazon knew that I've never read one and recommended one to me because they're probably listening to everything that I say on every Zoom call with. Um, you know, these electronic devices that listen to everything that I can't <laughs> say her per, name right as now. As per last week. Yes. And so <laughs> anyway, I, I get this recommendation and I look and I go, okay, this story looks interesting. It's it's kind of, it's mostly a business story. It's kind of a business story. It's um, It doesn't look like it's heavy paranormal. It's had a gazillion really positive reviews. This seems like a good example of a paranormal romance. And so I downloaded and started reading it. And the first 25% is like, oh my gosh, this is amazing. I'm really enjoying it. There's not, to the best of my knowledge, there has not been a single paranormal element. There are, there are some odd things that are happening where the author is obviously setting up at some point will reveal this as a paranormal element. But, you know, for, for the time being, we don't. So I just skip over that and enjoy the story. And then from 25% to 50%, it was will they or won't they? 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 Will they? Or... And last <laughs> night I'm at like 48. percent It's like I'm just going to kill myself if this doesn't end soon. And I'm how does the book can't go on like this for another 50 percent? 
And then finally they would. And then the story <laughs> could go on. And it was, you know, it was just this one wildly implausible thing after another. But I have learned so much about paranormal romance from reading this. And I'm finally now I'm in the like the last 20%. And it's uh, finally starting to get into a couple of paranormal elements. And I went back to the series page, and it is a series. And I've always seen these romance series at Amazon, and I couldn't understand why so many of them involved brothers. And now I get it, because a romance story, to, to hit the tropes that you're expected to, to hit, needs to have a happy ending, happily ever after ending. And if that happens, then how do, you, how do you continue on with those characters? They're side characters for the next story, which involves one of the brothers, Got it. which is another thing. Okay. And I'm like, oh my gosh, this is so cool. So it's been it's been a really interesting experience to read it. It's it's completely off genre. And then I'll get back to what I was reading before, but it's been really fun. And I, I've been entertained by the story and some of the characters and uh, does it did it does it do you find like your reading experience is different reading outside of genre no no although okay. i did i did mention that i was looking for the para paranormal elements um because i needed to understand you know how much paranormal do you, do you actually have to have or you know how much paranormal needs to be in there for a book to be classified as paranormal romance, which sells really well right now. And um, so I'm, I'm looking for that. And so when I saw these little unexplained things, I paid way more attention to them than I would have if it had been a mystery story and where there's, okay, this is obviously either a clue or a red herring. I don't care. I'm going to move on, which is what I would do in the, in okay. the mystery story. It did. It pulled me out a little bit in that I wanted to, I, I would reread to see how the author did it, how she set it up as something in a sentence or two that was clearly stated but not clearly understood. And so it left you questioning why this person had this insight, for example. Right. Uh, so, that, for example, you know, a person looks at someone and instantly knows that they have uh, a chronic disease, for example. And, you know, the answer is, how do you do that? Well, I, I pay attention. That was the answer that was given in the book. But it seems to me that that's a setup for something that's going to be revealed later in the book. And I haven't gotten to where the reveal has happened, but it's the unexplained things are happening more often. So we're clearly getting to it. But for so I think if I'm if I've heard what you're saying, thing correctly if we wanted to apply that to answering carl's question it would be a sense sort of along the lines of yes you've seen the gun on the mantle and yes you know the story wouldn't be mentioning a gun on the mantle unless it's going to go off but instead of sitting around and waiting for the gun to go off let's just you just know it's going to happen at some point just ignore it and and Look at it more from the thing of let's see how the author actually manages to pull this together and just go along for the ride instead of waiting for it to happen. Yes. Like I know you don't sit or, there or waiting for it to happen. It's sort of in your head. Happen, but, or is this is this yeah. the scene where they're going to do this? I don't care. I'm just I'm I'm reading 
looking for these little paranormal elements so that I can better understand how they work and to hang out with these characters who I'm really beginning to enjoy. Yes. Okay. See, and I think that's why I tend to find a bit of relief from that when I read outside of genre. It's because I know it all means something and it's all going to come together in the end, but I don't care enough to try and figure it out in the moment. I'm just along for the ride. So it's very similar to what you were saying. And I don't know if it, you know, if Carl, if your reading style would allow you to do that, but I would suggest maybe like give it a try. Um, and if not, then I don't know. <laughs> yeah. So one other thing, um, and, and just just to clarify, ninety eight percent of the people who read your book don't understand that if there's a gun on the mantle, it's going to be fired at some point. So you don't have to write right. for the two percent. You, you don't have to write to surprise Taylor to sell books. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah, and that's why I'm saying that I, I worry slash apologize that maybe this podcast has ruined re reading for some readers because you're getting an inside look at the process. Maybe inadvertently you've become part of the two percent. <laughs> so yes, um, but but writers won't be changing their style to to try and offset that. I think that as authors, the way we approach that is to try and make everything as least derivative, repetitive as possible so that there are surprises even for the avid readers who've seen and heard it all. I think that's our goal, but there's nothing that can be done about the gun on the mantle, so to speak. It's just part of the writing process because things, or the storytelling process, rather, every scene has to have its purpose. Everything has to earn its right to be on the page. And that is just sort of the way that it is. And once you know that, you can't unsee it, which can be a problem for reading pleasure and enjoyment or even viewing pleasure and enjoyment. But it's just sort of accepted amongst the people who actually create the product that that's the way it is. It's just unfortunate that it's happening to people who don't create them. Yeah, for me, it's, it's also suffer for it. I find it less off-putting in when I'm reading because I'm more engaged with the characters and more off-putting when I'm watching. And maybe it's because they're more heavy-handed with yeah, they don't just show the gun on the mantle. You also need to point out that, hey, did you see that gun on the mantle there? You know, Grandpa right, shot that yeah. gun, and, you know, that's where we got our Thanksgiving turkey. So you can't miss it. They bludgeon you over the head with these things because everyone has the attention span of a gnat now. If you're watching TV, you're probably also on your phone. So they don't want you to miss it, and that puts me off a little bit when when that yeah, happens. Yeah, I can, I can see that, too. But great question. But like Carl said... It's a stump, oh, stump Taylor day. Stump Taylor. <laughs> but like Carl said, you know, when when you still get pulled into it anyway, those are the best books, right? Yeah. Or the best mm -hmm. shows. So it makes them all the sweeter when when you do find them. All right. So thank you, Carl, for uh, the question. We appreciate it. And uh, for if anybody out there who's listening has some suggestions or advice on this, in case our topic is not exhausted, we would love to have those too. So thank you, and we will be back in your ear again next week. Bye.